Hello, and welcome to the Asian Military Review podcast, with me, your host, Andrew Dravinga. I am the Editor-in-Chief, and I am joined today by Miles Chambers, Director of International Business Development at the EDGE Group. The EDGE Group is the strategic partner for IDEX and NAVDEX Defence Expos, being held at the Abu Dhabi National Exhibition Centre from the 20th to the 24th of February in the United Arab Emirates. So, Miles, welcome to the podcast. Andrew, thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be joining you again. Great. Let's discuss a bit about what EDGE is doing at IDEX. You've told me that autonomous systems will be a major focus for the EDGE group at IDEX. Can you tell us which companies within EDGE are currently producing autonomous systems, and perhaps which of the systems will be highlighted at the show? Thanks very much, Andrew. And yes, EDGE's participation at this year's IDEX will will be our largest ever, and a very strong focus for the exhibition will be our autonomous systems and capability. So within the EDGE group, we have Adasi and Halcon, which are two of our entities focused on different applications of unmanned aerial vehicles. Uh, Of course, we'll be showcasing our existing product range, as well as new developments within the portfolio and the stable of our unmanned aerial vehicles. And we look forward to showcasing that to to the attendees of IDEX and other broader audience maybe uh, monitoring the media. Right. I would imagine there are going to be quite a few systems on the stand for people to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we've seen the continued growth of unmanned aerial vehicles over the past 20 years. You know, they have become an integral role in most defence forces around the world. We continue to see strong growth. Of course, as technology advances, so we're able to provide increased endurance, better range, more secure communication, integrate new payloads as many of the payloads become lighter and lighter. This ultimately always gives uh, the end users more and more capability in smaller form factor or being able to perform sustained or persistent surveillance with endurances now exceeding Mm. sometimes beyond the 24-hour range. I guess that's uh, the crucial elements there are payload and range and the variation that you can get between the different systems depending on the mission required. Absolutely. And I think what's also critical in this domain is also we start to see really a crossover between what is happening in commercial sector and uh, military space in being able to provide these systems at lower cost to market, making sure that these systems are obviously sustainable in the various areas of operation, ease of access to spare parts, uh, and ultimately ease of use for the operator. Increased levels of autonomy, making sure that from takeoff to landing, the system can be fully automated to ultimately lower the burden on the operative to concentrate on the key part, which is uh, objectives of their mission. Right. So you equally, well, perhaps not equally, but you address both the military and the civil market with your product. Well, of course, many of these platforms with the endurance and the range absolutely have a space within the civil market. Yeah. You have to think of long, unprotected borders that might be called to border security agencies or uh, line monitoring with different payloads that can look for gas leak detection, power line monitoring to check for encroachment of foliage. There's a huge number of applications in the civil sector that UAVs have been used for a number of years, monitoring deforestation, monitoring of forest fires that we've seen in places like California and Australia, uh, fisheries. Uh, So, uh, you know, the commercial sector has been there for a long time and obviously looking at maximizing on market share you know our platforms geared either to military requirements which obviously integrate a lot of the reliability and the particular needs of defense forces 
but then also being commercially minded of how we can provide these at a cost-effective rate to the market as well. Right, yeah, and of course with a growing number of sensors coming out from industry. Absolutely. So UAVs, we've established, are quite common now across many military forces. Where do you see the next, perhaps, growth area, thinking of potentially manned surface or subsurface for navies or perhaps unmanned ground vehicles for land forces? Andrew, great question, and the timing of this couldn't be more opportune. On the back of a recent announcement in Edge Group's strategic investment in Milrem Robotics, based out of Estonia, who have for a number of years really been at the forefront of unmanned ground vehicle development with their Themis and Type-X UGV products. Like we saw 20 years ago at the start of UAVs, many military forces were struggling with concept of operations, how Mm. these assets were going to be deployed. And I think over the course of the last two years, many forces have been getting their minds around the use cases for manned ground vehicles in operations. And we've started to see countries procuring limited rate number of these for testing, developing out their operations, such as the use of UGVs to lower the burden on dismounted infantry, being able to carry a lot more heavy equipment, use in firefighting to be able to send these unmanned ground vehicles into quite hostile or very dangerous environments that you wouldn't want to deploy personnel. And probably most recently, starting to integrate second stations onto these and to be able to use them in combat environments. Of course, with the key being always maintaining the man in the loop in terms of decision-making. We've seen autonomy in vehicles in the commercial sector really growing. You know, it's one thing to do this level of autonomy when you have a well-defined road network. Obviously, for off-road and unprepared areas and terrains, that's a lot more complex with having to do a lot of obstacle avoidance and that. So for us, yeah. we definitely see unmanned ground vehicles becoming a significant part of our portfolio, significant demand for this growing into the future. And each group, uh, together with the uh, robotics, plans uh, to be an industry leader in that area. Similarly, where we look at unmanned surface vessels, uh, increasing requirements for these to be able to do assistant levels of patrol and monitoring in particular areas of critical infrastructure, coastal surveillance, but more and more in mining and mine hunting operations, able to go out for extended periods and durations at sea, be able to do, let's say, relatively routine and mundane tasks in terms of scanning wide areas of coastal areas, and then being able to either deploy a USV and an underwater vehicle to be able to go and investigate anomalies that are detected or being able to relay this information to ground control stations that can be investigated. Typically, these mine hunting operations would historically been performed by a 40, 50 meter vessel, multiple crews having to regularly rotate. But I think definitely we will see a growth in these two domains. And again, this is an area where Edge plans to leader in the market and being able to deliver these solutions to its clients around the world. Yeah, very, very interesting. Thank you for that. Just as a side, do you classify loitering munitions in this autonomous category? And what is Edge doing in this area? So loitering munitions really is, uh, if you like, a a subsection or subcategory of the unmanned aerial vehicle domain. Ultimately, within the loitering munitions, again, we can define it as as two types, either what is sometimes referred to as kamikaze EVs, where you have the warhead integrated into the EV, and essentially 
the UAV platform itself becomes the, uh, the munition that is then directed onto the target or where UAV may have a particular payload for release and the UAV can be recovered and rearmed and redeployed. With the intention really being that these platforms can be deployed over a particular area, loiter for several hours, and throughout a particular engagement or operation, once a target is then identified, being able to designate that target. It provides a very cost-effective means of having air power or air capability or precision strikes that historically you would typically find you would be doing either with fixed-wing aircraft, fast jets deploying an ground missile, or perhaps in larger scale combat UAVs, where obviously the acquisition cost, the operating cost is significantly higher. So the intention of this loitering munition category is to provide a wide range of platforms mm. that might go from frontline support, perhaps only a couple of kilometers, all the way through to much longer strategic strike capability within the range of the communication data link from your ground control station to be able to give that precision strike capability without the overhead and the burden that typically would come from deploying cross uh, jets uh, or other aerial assets. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I think we've seen a lot of that variety in Ukraine over the past months. Finally, Miles, just to wrap this up, uh, at IDEX, will you be interested in uh, seeking joint ventures with any international companies or... Do you need to speak to 30 third-party suppliers? In terms of partnerships, I think this is well evidenced by our, our recent stake uh, that we've taken in uh, robotics. But a couple of weeks back, we also announced uh, investment in the company Highlander that uh, focuses on uh, UAV air traffic management. So I think inherently, absolutely, it is as part of its growth and its expansion, organically, will look for partnerships. Yeah. In terms of what format that forms, whether that's an investment, whether that's a joint venture, I think is really the nature of what the parties are looking to achieve. We very much look for strategic partnerships. And perhaps it's a phrase that is sometimes overused yeah. in the industry. But really what we look for is a two-way flow and exchange where it's, it's really not just about what technology we may want to bring into the UAE, but what our partners can bring in terms of access to their local or indigenous markets, that we ultimately result in a growth for both both parties to the table. And that really forms in that strategic relationship. Sounds very exciting. And having visited you, I know you're going ahead very, very quickly. Oh, that was very interesting to hear from you. And uh, yeah, I would just like to say, Miles Chambers, Director of International Business Development for the Edge Group, thank you very much for joining us. Andrew, thank you. Always a pleasure.